Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, geeks and geekettes, welcome to the Bros and Consoles podcast, a podcast where two bros dive deep down into the video game news and new releases that is floating about the video game community that week. My name is Michael Ponerero, aka Sonic's number one fan. My co-host, Nathan Choquette, as you probably already know, is currently away at PAX, so or PAX West, I'll say. So for this weekend, it will just be me. And Nathan will give you the deets on what he found or played <clears throat> or found interesting at PAX next week. So be prepared for a longer episode next week, probably. <laughs> anyway, I'm just going to jump right into it in what I've been playing. So this week, I've only been playing a couple games, kind of similar to last week, and I'll start with the Switch. I jumped back into some more um, Castlevania collection. Um, like I mentioned last week, it's it's fun to be in that world, to experience that lore and stuff, but the games itself are super hard, and again, it could just be me being bad at the game, but... I've not progressed. I keep doing the same level over and over and over. And I don't think I'll get very far in the game. So I'm most likely going to take a break from it. Um, in the coming weeks, hopefully. Um, but the next game I jumped into was more Mario Maker. Um, I haven't been playing Mario, Mario Maker as much. Um, because moving and work and all that stuff. But I have been making more levels or trying to make more levels and playing other people's levels and stuff to get my, you know, Mario skills up to par. Um, but I only played Mario Maker for a couple hours, maybe at most. And then I jumped into the PS4 because, you know, I was feeling um, like a foreign console play and I haven't touched my PS4 in a long time other than like Netflix and stuff. <clears throat> But the next one I played on that, and I did I did a little like method, was I closed my eyes and scrolled through all the games I have and whatever game I landed on I would play. I did that for about like 20, 20 tries because I didn't want to play any of the games I landed on. But then I eventually landed on a game called Crossing Souls, and I had forgotten about this game. It's I'll describe it to you. It's it's a I think it takes place in the eighties. But it's a action-adventure game, kind of, um, that you go around this town and weird things happen and actually really dark stuff. But you play as these kids um, that you can switch through. Um, there's the main kid and his brother and then his nerd friend and then um, like the jock friend and then the girl he's interested in. He can play as all of these guys. Um, and you're just going around and trying to figure out what's going on and uh, without diving into the story. But weird things happen. It's almost like a, a Stranger Things feel, but not really Stranger Things because there's no like monsters yet that I found. Um, but weird stuff do, does go on. It's like a very 80s vibe. And I played that one for about, uh, I would say like two hours because it was, it was late at night and I just wanted to play something. It was good to play that one again and get back into it because I forgot, completely forgot about it. Um, but then the next day, um, I was like, you know, I'm feeling kind of like a shooter game and I was scrolling through all my games I have and I've, I noticed I still had Wolfenstein 2. I was like, oh, I haven't beaten this game yet. Maybe I should play this. Now I stopped last time Wolfenstein 2 playing it because it just got monotonous and tedious because it was the same thing over and over. The story was great. The characters were great. But it was just almost like the same thing happening in each map. Nazis are coming at me and I'm shooting them. Big waves and I die. More big waves and I die. More big waves and I beat it. It was just this repetitive loop. And I stopped playing it. But this time, you said, this time I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a chance. I did. And I'm glad I did because it's... I don't know what mood I was in the first time I was playing it. But this time playing it I've I'm really enjoying it 
like it's still there's still that like tedious nature in it because it's you have a bunch of notches coming at you or bad guys and the levels are almost similar but you're doing the same thing over and over but i'm more invested in the story and i want to see where it goes because it's it's a history-based story it's like what if the nazis took over what would happen and you're the resistance and you're fighting back against them really really captivating um i actually think i might actually like it better than the first one because the first one was extremely frustrating like i got to the end of the game and i couldn't beat it in normal mode difficulty maybe if i kept trying i could have but then i i was like i can't do this anymore so i gave up switched it to easy mode and beat the game like that i did the same thing for doom also as you can tell i'm not a very good first person shooter game er but it that that ending part kind of ruined it for me this one after playing it again it's the story is much more in depth and the characters are much more engaging and funny and it's it's just really really good and i'll probably be jumping back into that one later on this week maybe depends because i really want to get back into judgment also because of the whole yakuza series or three four and five collections out and i'm gonna have to get that eventually so we'll see we'll see but that's i think that was about it for what i've played this week it was kind of a slow week for video games in regards to me playing them but the news though it was kind of a busier week so i'm gonna jump right into that and this is the bro pinning report had to change the ending there <laughs> but for this week i have one two three four four stories and they range from everywhere from good news to kind of bad news and stuff but i'm gonna start off with a kind of a story that it doesn't hit close to home but it it it's more meaningful because i played this game and i really really enjoyed it um, and this one's from uh, gamesindustry.biz by Matthew Handrahan. God, his last name is amazing. <laughs> um, this one is Night in the Woods Team Cancels Game Amid Alec Holowaka, H-O-L-O-W-K-A, Allegations. And I'm going to read the article for you. Um, the team behind the indie hit Night in the Woods has cut all ties with co-creator Alec Holowaka. I'm saying his last name wrong. I apologize. Well, maybe not. Following this, you'll, you'll find out. Following this week's allegations of emotional abuse and sexual assault, Halawaka was one of the team of three that made Night in the Woods, serving as its coder, composer, and co-designer. Earlier this week, he was accused of emotional abuse and sexual assault by developer and writer Zoe Quinn. Last night, Scott Benson released a statement on Twitter on behalf of himself and the third member of Night in the Woods creative team, Bethany Huckenberry. Quote, this, week's, this week, allegations of past abuse has come to light regarding Alec Hoaka. Holo, Holowaka. Man, I'm sorry about your name, man. Who was coder, composer, and co-designer of Night in the Woods. Benson said, we take such allegations seriously as a team. As a result, and after agonizing consideration, we are cutting ties with Alec. We've received a lot of emails and messages in the past few days over very hurt and angry. That were very hurt, often very hurt and angry. That's how we. That's also how we feel. This has been very, very tough. This cutting of ties includes the cancellation of a new project they've been working on with Alec, Benton said, and the and the postponement. Of the limited-run physical release of Night in the Woods. That's a shame. Um, a planned iOS uh, port of the game is being handled by publisher Finji and remains in development. Finji has canceled a signing event, which was due to take place at PAX West later this week, to, quote, take the time we need to process and create our next step as a team, as publishing partners, and as a family. Finji CEO Rebecca Saltzman has said since, quote, the allegations of abuse against Alec are something I take very seriously. As a survivor of abuse, I offer my support to all who have, who were able to speak about their experiences. And then it goes on to talk about it more. But um, there has been an update to this story recently, or actually probably the next day. Uh, what is the next day? 
The first one was released the 29th, and this update was the 31st. Um, and this update is also from GamesIndustry.biz by James Batchelor. Um, right in the Woods developer Alec Hoawaka dies. Um, Alec Hoawaka died this morning. His death was announced via Twitter by sister Aileen Mary Hoawaka, who shared more information on his background and personal struggles. Alec was one-third of the team behind acclaimed indie title Night in the Woods, serving as co-designer, coder, coder and uh, composer. He was accused of emotional abuse and sexual assault earlier this week, and the Night in the Woods team has cut ties with him amid the allegations. In her post, Eileen Mary, his sister, um, wrote, quote, Those who know me will know that I believe survivors... That I believe survivors, and I have always done everything I can to support survivors, those suffering from mental illnesses and those with chronic illnesses. Alec was a victim of abuse, and he also spent a lifetime battling mood and personality disorders. I would not pretend that he was not also responsible for causing harm, but deep down he was a person who wanted only to offer people care and kindness. It took him a while to figure out how. Over the last few years, with therapy and medication, Alec became a new person, the same person he'd always been, but without any of the darkness. He was calm and happy, positive and loving. Obviously, change is a slow process, and it wasn't perfect, but he was working towards rehabilitation and a better life. And she goes on to explain and thanking other people and all that stuff. But this story in a whole is, is not great. Night in the Woods, I'll start off with, was is an amazing game. It's so good. I've yet to beat it because it's very dialogue heavy and I have to be in the mood to play one of those ones or those type of games, like invest into it. But hearing this and um, the accusations and uh, and stuff against Alec is was not good to read. But then also finding a story that just got updated right after I kind of read the story that he passed away um, makes this whole um, story in itself just with a just leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. Like there's no good good way to describe what was happening here, and it's a shame that all this had to happen and went down the way it did go down. Um, but it's understandable that. Um, they released Alec because allegations of any kind of abuse like that should not be tolerated and and it's a shame but it's also a shame that it had to end up like this for him um, I just wanted to bring that up if any of you guys have played Night in the Woods because it's a fantastic game and it's a shame that these things behind the scenes happened and ended up like this but yeah, um, that was that story from gamesindustry.biz. Um, but moving on to lighter news. Um, this one is from Polygon by um, Charlie Hall. CD Projekt is officially making more Witcher and cyber cyberpunk games in the future. Yes. That's the story I want to see. Um, I'll read a little bit about it. As it eases into its final push to complete Cyberpunk 2077, CD Projekt Red is officially moving to a, quote, dual franchise model that confirms for both investors and fans that more games in the Witcher franchise are on the way. The new direction was proudly announced in a financial report issued by CD Projekt Capital Group covering the first half of 2019. Quote, managing two separate major franchises, The Witcher and Cyberpunk, along with several independent development teams, enables the company to conduct parallel work on several project, projects and smoothens its long-term release schedule. The company says, This migration towards a dual franchise model supported by several independent product lines also permits optimization of manufacturing and financial activities, mi mitigates important risk factors, and makes it easier for company employees to seek professional fulfillment. In layman's terms, by working on two AAA franchises concurrently, CD Projekt will be able to limit the peaks and valleys in its balances, balance sheets and successfully maintain a larger and more capable workforce for game developers. 
it sounds like great news all around. And then it lists other stuff about the, the games, Cyberpunk and Witcher. But this is really good news, in my opinion, because, one, I'm a huge fan of the Witcher series. So to see that there's more games in development is always a good thing in my mind. Even if it doesn't have to do around Geralt, just that world, the Witcher world itself, would be fantastic to play again. Even though I've never, I haven't beaten The Witcher three yet, <laughs> I can just dive back into that. But to get more games, to know more games are coming coming in the future, is always a good thing. And plus Cyberpunk, which from reports and from other people, we keep hearing that it's going to be amazing. Um, uh, first person mode RPG. They got Keanu Reeves in it. There's just so many good things about Cyberpunk that keep coming out. So the fact that they're going to continue making games for that universe is just another reason why I believe CD Projekt is one of the top video game developers. They don't release a lot of games, but the games they do release are always, at least recently, are always fantastic. So it's good to see that these franchises are going to be continued to be worked on by CD Projekt Red, and hopefully the games that they do release in the future are going to be just as good as Cyberpunk and The Witcher 3, and maybe even The Witcher 2. I never played it, but I've heard it was good. You can uh, email Nathan about that, because he played The Witcher 2. <laughs> but yeah, short little story there. Um, just thought I'd mention that, that CD Projekt is going to continue both The Witcher and Cyberpunk for those fans out there. Um, my next story that um, I found is also from Polygon. Um, by Owen S. Good, our good friend. Owen, we go way back. Not really. <laughs> um, but yeah, a no PlayStation press conference at TGS 2019 either. Console Maker will have will still have a booth showing off new games. Um, I'll jump into this one. This one's a very short one, though. Um, Sony Interactive Entertainment will not hold a PlayStation News Conference at Tokyo Game Show, TGS, continuing a trend of decreased engagement with major trade shows for the console maker. That information comes via translation from Jap PlayStation's Japanese language base page, outlining plans for TGS 2019. Instead of a news conference, Sony will hold a live show from its booth in Exhibition Hall 5. Um... Earlier this year, Sony skipped E3 and no news. They also bagged um, its annual PlayStation experience. So adding this to the list, um, they're not going to do a conference at TGS, but they will be there still with a booth with off showing off the new games and stuff. Um, not really surprising here since they haven't um, shown up at the other conferences. Um Either I, I believe that either they're they're cooking up something really big, like for one like for one of their events that they're going to do in the future, like with releasing the PS5 and just a bunch of new games, or they don't have much to show at the moment with any of their new games, so they're just like passing up these conferences, which again, if they don't have anything anything to show, there's no reason to be at these shows or to have a conference at these shows because you're just going to be showing the same things that have already been out so either way this isn't surprising news to me the sony hasn't been um at pre press conferences or showcasing anything really much this year so them missing tgs not a big surprise just a small little update with sony and their <laughs> They're non-conference appearances <laughs> in 2019. Um, but my last story that I have um, that I think is a very interesting one to talk about um, is also from Polygon by Colin Campbell. Um, re in recent years, not recent years, in recent couple weeks, there's been a... a kind of a resurgence of Telltale. Like, people... I, I'll dive into it, but a group of people have bought the rights to Telltale and are apparently bringing it back up. Like, revitalizing it. 
and I'll jump into this article here. Telltale Game employees speak out about the studio's controversial revival. Telltale Games is being revived, but news of news of its return has been met with a blend a blend of joy, confusion, and bitterness. A company called LCG Entertainment announced on Wednesday that it has acquired the Telltale Games name and as well as some of its back catalog and a parcel of intellectual properties. It announced plans to make use of the studio's signature adventure game design tools to pursue some of Telltale's former third-party licenses and to hire former Telltale staff initially on on a contract basis. Still, questions remain about the new company's intent. How far does an unrelated company purchasing the remains of an old company in these circumstances constitute a revival? How does the new company relate to the fall of the original Telltale, which closed down last year with the loss of more than 250 jobs? What is the status of the former employees who are now working under contract? On social media, oops, lost my spot. On social media, various claims have been doing the rounds since the announcement, including calls for the new company to pay the debts of Telltale's original management. Some have even called for a boycott of the new company. Some feel that the new company is simultaneously not a genuine relaunch of the Telltale. I keep saying Telltale. 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 There we go. I caught myself. You're welcome. <laughs> While at the same time being somehow responsible for the sins of the old company. It is not surprising that emotions are running high. Telltale's demise was a notorious example of a game industry's callousness in which hardworking, talented, talented creators were required to work long hours and then dumped when the company's executives failed to create profits or value. And the new Telltale, I'm going to have to say that very slowly every time, <laughs> is, hiring a, or is hiring or contracting only a fraction of the laid-off employees, many of whom have moved on to new positions. Quote, it is imperative that we take a slow and methodical approach to growth, said the new Telltale Game CEO, Jamie Otley, in a follow-up interview with Polygon. We want to build a sustainable company with a healthy, non-crunch non work culture. Explaining the short-term plan, Otley said, quote, we will be hiring 8 to 10 people in the next six months and will be somewhere around 30 by the end of our end of our first year. We will love to bring back everyone who wants to come, but that just isn't the economic reality of the games industry, and it would be irresponsible of, uh, irresponsible of us to do so. Now I'm going to stop there for a second and tell you that I don't... I'm very skeptical of this. Because, one... The fact that they're only hiring 8 to 10 and then eventually 30 around the end of the year, like, I get there could be, like, financial stuff, and, like, they can't do that. They can't hire everyone back, and, everyone, and other people have moved on and stuff. But that it's still weird that they're only hiring this small of people. And why are they buying Telltale now out of all the times to buy it? And there's reactions from this, from the former Telltale staff that I'll jump into right now. Um, initial reactions from former Telltale staff are understandably skeptical, like I mentioned. One, one time episode lead writer Jessica Krause posted on Twitter, quote, if this new Telltale, Telltale really wants to bring back the studio and are genuine in their attempts, then I honestly hope it works out. But hiring former devs on a freelance basis is the most expensive part of the country. In, in the most expensive part of the country, San Francisco, doesn't really encourage me that much. That's another point. They're not hiring them full, like, full-time contracts. They're freelance, which is odd. Former Telltale, Telltale, geez, narrative designer Emily Grace Buck has been an active proponent of the games industry workers' rights in general. She told Polygon, quote, this news has been difficult to digest. There are a few former Telltale employees who are employed by this new company, which have purchased and have taken on Telltale name. They seem excited to be involved and are understandably wary, given the state of games, about broadcasting their involvement. 
I admit that I'm skeptical, but given the enthusiasm of those involved, I'm choosing to be cautiously optimistic about the new company calling itself Telltale. Yeah, that's another weird thing that they're 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 calling themselves Telltale. Why not make a new name and don't Ah, that's weird. She added, "I'm happy that the games will be made will once wait. Let me re, let me re-say that." I'm happy that the games we made will once again be for sale, and I'm happy that the IPs aren't dead in the water. But more than anything else, I hope beyond hope that this new Telltale will treat its employees better than its predecessor, because games aren't made by brand logos that you can buy. They are made by people who deserve care. Um, and then it, it goes on to the contracts. I'm going to read this part, because this this one I think is important. Um, Brett Rotsgad worked in Telltale's art department for three years, specializing in light and lighting. Since the closure of Telltale, he's done some work from Skybound Games, which picked up Telltale's Walking Dead license and finished the series' final season. He's working on it at the new company under contract. I feel the contract is fair, he said, and I wouldn't have signed it if it wasn't, or if I felt that I wasn't being taken advantage of, he said. He said he was approached by Guinness and offered work. Quote, I was looking for my next paid gig because I was eating food and living under a roof, he joked. I think LCG wanted someone with a competent grasp of the telltale tool from the art side and art side that could jump right in in since they have acquired some of telltale's library and needed to immediately support those games. So the timing worked out great for both parties. Like Guinness, Rogstad said his new job is more, quote, all hands on deck than his formal specialization. Quote, I get to use skills skill sets that weren't quite taken advantage of me at Telltale prior, but I'm also given the opportunity to creatively grow in areas that I didn't have much experience or knowledge before, he said. On the return to Telltale, he said, quote, my reaction to the news was a mixture of skepticism, amusement, and a little hope. It will be cool to see LCG take on Telltale's legacy and evolve it to a new direction it needed to go, he added. Right now, I'm getting the feeling, I get the feeling creative wheels are, t- are turning and ideas are being explored. I'm cautiously optimistic. I think there's a lot of pressure and expectations in taking over. Not just games, not just the games, but also the Telltale brand. Telltale is a well-known name, but there are also a lot of baggage associated with that name. From what I've experienced in my current contract work, the Telltale machine that was churning out the same kind of game, but with different skins, hasn't been restarted. There's nothing immediately ra- raising any red flags. The new owners are definitely taking things one step at a time. Um, when asked about hostile reactions to the relaunch, he said, quote, the cynicism is understandable, but also a bit much. Skepticism is healthy and keeps LCG on their toes. If they want their future games and the brand to shine, they want their future games and brand to shine, but it's disingenuous to in- insinuate this is a bunch of nobodies without any prior affiliation. Then as she talks about supporting the developers and having their backs, here is a situation where some investors resurrected a failed company and the process chose to bring back developers whose lives were affected by the fa- that failure. Let's not cast shade yet, regardless if I continue on the past, continue on past this contract. I hope LCG continues to reach out and hire ex-Telltale staff because they were some, they were some great, talented people who are beginning to shine with new creative freedom when everything collapses, And that's basically it. Um, but my take on this is, like most of the people in this article, cautiously optimistic. Um, I've never heard of LCG Entertainment. So I don't, I don't know who they are, but as Brett, or Rog, Brett Rogstad said, there are a bunch of investors that he said that like just revitalized Telltale. Um, it seems like they have good intentions. Um, and from what he said, or he hopes that they slowly bring back people and they're taking things one step at a time and not like doing the same mistakes um, old Telltale management and executives did. So, like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic because I I would love for Telltale to come back into the fold. 
I enjoyed their games. The Walking Dead Season 1 was fantastic. I cried in it. Um, didn't play any of the other Walking Deads. Um, played um, Tales of the Borderlands, which was fan... fan I was going to say fantastic. Again, which was phenomenal. I think that one I, I think that one I enjoyed a little bit more than the first season of The Walking Dead. Because of the characters, the story, the Borderlands world, I just enjoyed more. But... Yeah, if if they bring back Telltale and it's they bring back employees and it's a, a slow process, but everything works out, then more power to them. Then good job, guys. But I can under completely understand the skepticism and the cautious nature of what's going on because you don't really see this happening too often. But one can hope, you know. And if there's more updates, I'm sure there will be in the future. I'll definitely keep you posted on it to let you know if anything else is happening with Telltale and the new reemergence of them. But yeah, that's that's about it for the news that I have this week. But you know, if I wanted to see if there was a new Telltale game coming to the PlayStation, most likely not soon. But, you know, sometime in the future, where would I go for that? That would be the PSN drop from the entire list of upcoming games on the PlayStation Network as listed by Justin Massagiel, brought to you by the Bros and Consoles co-host each and every weekend. I don't know how Nathan remembers that. I had to read that off our site. (laughs) That's, that's That's a whole mouthful of words to remember. Um, but yeah, so jumping into the, the drop for this week for the games of September 3rd, 2019, or that week of September 3rd, um, there is a, it, ooh, it is a decent size list. So sit back, buckle up and be prepared for some good and probably not good games. <laughs> um, so the first one, Apocalypsis. The Tree of Knowledge, the Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil, um, coming out digital on the 6th of September. In Apocalypsis, you play as Harry, for whom the loss of his beloved was the end of his world. Now he has to venture out into the strange, unwelcoming, haunted lands to get her back. On this journey, he will meet fantastical creatures straight from the visions of the 15th and 16th artists such as Hans, Hans Holbein, and Albert Durer. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of those guys before. But it, it, it looks interesting. It don't really it doesn't really say what kind of game it is at all. But yeah, it, cool. There's that. Um, next one, As Divine Menace, coming for the PS4 and PS Vita digital cross-buy. Um, travel the galaxy to bring the truth full circle in an epic fantasy RPG. Experience immersive turn-based battles with cooperative attacks and new limit break skills. That's a Final Fantasy thing, I think. Um, with all quests collecting and crafting, the battle arena, and even post-game content, content, As Divine Menace comes packed with enough elements to satisfy JRPG hungry gamers. Yeah. Never heard of this game before. It looks, again, very anime-esque. So maybe that will be a good JRPG to check out. Who knows? <laughs> um, next one, Blindfold. A Ver- Verte VR experience. Obviously coming to the VR di- and digital only. Um, Blindfold places you in a perspective of photojournalists enduring a harsh interrogation in Iran's famous even Ev- prison. Drawing from real-life accounts and historical fact, Blindfold presents a powerful verte experience that explores the unique storytelling possibilities of VR. Oh, that's interesting. Verte, I wonder what that means. Um, But okay, very real-life accounts. I probably won't be checking that out, but if that's for somebody, or somebody like you, it's out there now, or this coming week. (laughs) Next one, this one's cool. Catherine Full Body, coming out PS4, digital, and retail. The captivating tale returns in Catherine Full Body, bigger and better than before. Improved visuals and gameplay, 
Brand new music, enhanced multiplayer options, and much, much more await in this enticing new package. Will our indecisive protagonist, Troy Baker, survive the trials and tribulations of love or fall to temptations? Now, I never played this game when the original Catherine came out. Nathan did. But I've, I've always been interested in it. I'm not a huge puzzle player or puzzle game player, but something about this like interests me. It had it very much looks like Persona, Persona Four, Persona Five. It has that feel, so I think that's what interests me the most. So hopefully, check that out once. Check that out soon. Um, next one. Oh Jesus! Why are these games still being made? Fifty words by Paugi. PS4, PS Vita, digital cross buy. A brand new word search puzzle from Paugi. This time, there's no grid, no list of words to find, and no wrong letters. Discover the 50 intertwined words and paint them with vibrant highlights to create a unique piece of blended color art as you relax into each puzzle. Nathan will probably be checking this one out, so he'll let you know. Because, <laughs> man, those platinum trophy games. Um, Next one. This one is very cool. I probably will be checking this one out. Um, Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, PS4 Digital. The mega-hit RPG returns. This PS4 version features new graphical enhancements, a whole host of options to customize your gameplay experience. In a world engulfed in war, Squall, a member of the elite mercenary force, leads his group in a fight against the sorceress, Ida to prevent her from fulfilling her nefarious goal. I want to try all the Final Fantasy games eventually. And this one's on the list. I heard this one's either very hit and miss. Um, you either like it or you don't. So I'll let you know because I will most likely be getting this game. Um, on to the next one. Flowers are dead. Oh, what a name. PS4 digital out on the 5th. Flowers are dead is a first person story based game. Play as Evelyn, face your trib- tribulations, de- delve deep into your mind, trace down that one that got away, and live through your memories. And that's it. Oh, right. It's just a picture of, like, like nature, like a forest, with, like, a teepee in the back, and uh, I don't know what to think of this. But okay, there's that. Um... <laughs> Next one, Himono, coming to the PS4, PS Vita, digital cross-buy. Himono is a non-violent, no-death platformer. Use wall jumps, slides, and dashes to reach new heights and randomly generated maps. Using easy-to-learn controls, parkour through each map to overcome platforming challenges to reach new districts. Level up as new heights are reached and rescue Wisp to light up the darkness around you. Interesting. This looks cool. I do like platformers. But I'm really bad at them, so we will see. Next one, this one, this one should be good. Monster Hunter World Iceborne, PS4 Digital and Retail. Face off against furious beasts as you fight for survival in a lush living ecosystem. Let your hunting instinct take you further than ever. Iceborne is a massive expansion that picks up after the ending of Monster Hunter World and opens up a new master rank. Now, Monster Hunter was a fantastic, or Monster Hunter World was a fantastic game. Me and Nathan played that game when it came out. We played them, or he played a lot of it too. But oh man, I played the mess out of that game. It was so good. One of the few multiplayer games that I really enjoyed. So this one, this is, this expansion is definitely going to be checked out. You guys should check it out too, because Monster Hunter World is fantastic. <laughs> Next one, NBA Two K Twenty. PS4 digital retail out nine on the 6th. Nine on the 6th. Out the 6th. 2K continues to redefine what's what's possible in sports gaming with NBA 2K20. Featuring best-in-class graphics, a gameplay, and gameplay, groundbreaking game modes, and more. Plus, with its immersive open world, open world neighborhood, two, NBA 2K20 is a platform for gamers and, baller, and ballers to come together and create what's next in basketball culture. If the story mode is just as good as 2K19, then I will probably check this out when it comes on sale because that was fantastic. Other than that, I don't don't play the basketball games too much. I really should though because I do like them, but they're just 
they're too hard to play for me. And there's just, it's like they get they turn, get turned out every year, like the wrestling games, not not too much changes. So waiting a couple of years to see if there's new things, like two or three, that's when to buy the games, in my opinion. But who knows? Um, the next one, the Perplexing Orb, PS4 Digital. Experience a puzzle platforming challenge like no other. Roll through over 60 single-player stages, collecting artifacts, navigating obstacles, and knocking over the finish to post the finish post to achieve victory. This looks like a phone game that you see on like ads for Facebook or Twitter or whatever. I'm not going to rat on it because of that, but I kind of am. It looks real bad. But who knows? Maybe it's an easy platinum that Nathan will check out. <laughs> uh, the next one, post-war dreams. Oh man, these character models are real creepy looking. Um, PS4 and digital. Um, Post-War Dreams is a 2.5D story-rich side-scrolling action game set in the wasteland of USA, plagued by constant war. <clears throat> Following the collapse of the economy, government, and society, you must brave heavily armed militia, lawless gangs, and other challenges to escape this post-apocalyptic wasteland. I don't know what to make of this. The character models are really creepy looking. So, so yeah, if you want a post-war apocalyptic game in 2.5d maybe check this one out um next one project nimbus code mirari 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 i'm saying it's still wrong m-i-r-m-a-i-r-a-i mirai 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 probably maybe who knows project nimbus code mirai is a mech-based flying game inspired by gundam macross and ace combat series PN and CM features vibrant graphics. Oh, they shortened it. Wow. PN, CM, cheese. Blistering action gameplay and epic storyline. Fly a variety, variety of battle frames while fighting enemies over floating cities, vast oceans, and in reaches of space. Interesting. Never been a fan of the mech games, but I'm sure somebody is. This next one is one I'm really excited for. River City Girls. Out. PS4 Digital out the fifth. There's trouble once again in River City, and this time only the girls can save the day. Using a variety of attacks, weapons, and items, these hot-blooded heroines are ready to teach the city's lowlifes a lesson. Either solo or in two-player co-op, it's a old-school rumble for a new generation. This game looks fantastic. It reminds me a lot of Streets of Rage or... Uh, the Ninja Turtle fighting game that was on the Sega Genesis also. But it's like Japanese setting kind of thing. It looks real good. So I'll definitely be checking this out and letting you guys know. Um, next one, Root Letter, Last Answer, PS4 Digital. Um, the return of the best-selling interactive mystery visual novel. Follow the footsteps of Aya Fumino, a school pen friend. Alleged, a, let me, I'm going to restart that. Follow in the footsteps of Aya Fumino, a school pen friend allegedly involved in a tragic murder 15 years ago. Explore the prefecture of Shimen, Shimon, uncover clues, and use the letters you wrote to each other to track down her childhood friends for questioning. Ooh, that's interesting. I like a mystery anime, so maybe. <laughs> um, next one, Shelnor Legend, Sacred Lands. I think this came out before, I think. It looks very familiar. I'm going to read it anyway, because I don't remember. A young girl has traveled to sacred lands. Within the realm, she will face many challenges, fight dangerous monsters, and solve mysterious puzzles. Many have come to this land before, all in hopes of finishing the sacred trial, but none has succeeded. Will she fail like the others, or will she ever overcome the odds and return home? I don't, I don't, this one looks very familiar. It looks cool, though. So, we'll find out. Um, next one, Shellshock Live, PS4 Digital. Um, demolish your friends with hundreds of upgradable weapons shot from your customizable tank in this action-packed online multiplayer tanks game. Earn XP to level up and unlock new tanks, weapons, and gear. Fight against or alongside your friends for strategic team or free-for-all matches. Interesting. 
not my kind of game, but I'm sure it's for somebody. Um, next one. Ooh. Ooh. This is... Wow. Okay. Spice and Wolf VR. Now, this is a very good manga and anime series that I, I enjoy a lot. Um, PSVR, PSVR Digital out the fifth. Craft Lawrence, a traveling merchant, meets Holo, a beautiful woman who can transform into a wolf. To avoid a sudden downpour, Holo and Lawrence take shelter in an old abandoned watermill in the woods. Huddling around a small fire and enjoying a slightly strange but relaxing time together, you can share that time together with them. That's weird. It's just your, it's just that part. You're like in the cabin with them, and that's it. All right, interesting. But Spice and Wolf is amazing. It's so detailed and such a good story. But it's VR, and I get motion sickness very easily. So I'll have Nathan buy this and check it out for me. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Next game, Sudden Strike Four Complete Collection, PS4 Digital Retail out the six. Sudden Strike Completion Collection. Um, offers fans the ultimate war World War II strategy experience. Oh, I know. Not for me. Containing the main game plus of all DLCs, Battle of Kursk, Road to Dunkirk, Dunkirk, Finland, Winter War, Africa, Desert War, and the Pacific War. Experience realistic real-time strategy gameplay and tactical depths across 11 campaigns with over 45 missions. Wow strategy games not for me but i like i appreciate the history um next one throne quest ps4 digital at the sixth uh throne quest deluxe is a seamless open world action rpg delve into an adventurous world of dungeons and crypts vicious monsters and huge amounts of loot change between 12 classes and explore your way through dangers on an epic quest to reach the center central castle to claim the throne held by the demon by a demon boss. Ooh. It's very uh eight bit and sixteen bit, so an RPG, so this is, looks very interesting. Might have to check this one out. Maybe it's on the Switch, because this looks like a very Switch game. Um next one. Uh Torchlight 2. PS4 Digital. Torchlight is Torchlight 2 is a fast, fun, and filled with action and loot. The award-winning action RPG is back to bring you into its quirky world of bloodthirsty monsters, bountiful treasures, and sinister secrets. Once again, the fate of the world is in your hands. Play Torchlight 2 on PS4 and receive an exclusive pet fairy. Interesting. I've never heard of this game. I've never heard of the first Torchlight. And it says it's an award-winning action RPG. Huh. May have to check that one out. Maybe Nathan knows about it. Who knows? And last but not least, man, Truck Racing Championship, PS4 Digital out the fifth. The only official simulation that features all the unique characteristics of the European Truck Racing Championship. Is that a real thing? One of the most spectacular and challenging motor racing competitions and offers all racing fans a completely new driving experience. Race a giant 5-ton, 1,000-horsepower truck against 12 competitors while respecting the race rules. While respecting the race rules. <laughs> what a description. I didn't I didn't even know the European Truck Racing Championship was a thing. That's super weird. But, hey, they, they have to make a game out of it because they always do. <laughs> anyway, that that's it for this week for the PSN Drop. But, you know, if I wanted to find a truck racing championship game on the Switch that may be coming out soon, where would I go? You would go to the weekly Nintendo Switch picks that I am going to be telling you right now. <laughs> Ooh, excuse me. Burped a little. You're welcome. <laughs> um, for this week, I have one, two, three. Yes, three games. And... I were actually all mentioned on the PSN drop. <sighs> That's a shame. That's okay, because I might be getting these games on the Switch also. Um, the first one, coming out on the second, um, at a price point of $19.99, is Final Fantasy VIII. Don't have to dive into this one. Talked about it already. I really, I think I might actually be getting it on the Switch instead of the PS4, because then I can take it on the go. Um, and I also have Final Fantasy VII on it. Um, so yeah, this one comes out the second. At only $20, so definitely, and it's remastered, so definitely check that one out if you like Final Fantasy or you've never played it before. Here's your opportunity. Next one 
Uh, River City Girls coming out the fifth at a price point of twenty nine dollars, so thirty. This is a game I will probably be getting on the Switch. Also, it's it, uh, I can't talk highly enough about it. Um, I'll I'll give a description. Um, or not the description, but I'll give the features. It's a wild beat 'em up action for one to two players. Glorious pixel art graphics plus anime and manga cutscenes. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic soundtrack featuring Chipzel, Christina V, and Nate Wants to Battle. Okay. Six large city regions to fight through, complete with shops and side quests. Little weapons, items, and abilities to power up your heroines. And guest appearances by classic River City characters. Was this a game before? Maybe. Huh. That's cool. But yeah, definitely check this out, because I will be. And the last one... um. Actually, oh, this one wasn't on the PSN drop. I confused it with the the, the letter one. Um, available on the fifth at a originally nineteen ninety nine, but now at a price point of seventeen ninety nine, and it's called "If the Sky." No, nope, not the sky. If the heart, if my heart had wings, if the sky. I was reading something else. Sorry. If my heart had wings. Let me read the description here. Let's love the sky. Oi Minase, I'm probably saying it wrong, I apologize, returns with shattered dreams in his windswept hometown of Kazegora. There, atop a hill lined with wind turbines, he encounters a wheelchair-bound girl, Katori Habane, and a beautiful white glider soaring through the sky. Together, they decide to revive their school's defunct soaring club in order to ride the morning glory. A phantom cloud carried on the wind that blows across Kazegora. This is a tale of youth, a tale of boys and girls who love the sky. That's a weird description. A phantom cloud carried on the wind that blows across Kazegora. Is that like a blimp or a high air balloon? I have no idea, and I'm very curious to find out. But it's a light novel, so I've been lacking that department a lot. So I'm most, maybe not most likely, but I want to check it out to see. It looks interesting. Um, and maybe Nathan will check it out too, so he might keep you updated. Um, but yeah, it's on sale now, pre-purchased $17.99. So it comes out the 5th. So check that out. If, check that out. If blah, I'm stroking out. Check that out if you want a light novel game on your Switch. There, that was much better. <laughs> But that's that's about it for what I have for the weekly Nintendo Switch picks. But, you know, if I wanted to go really, really fast, but I wanted a partner that was a fox and could fly, who would I go to to figure out when I can do this or where I can go? I would go to Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog's Super Fast Minute. That was a terrible segue. <laughs> I am so sorry for that. Um, I'll try to tie in what I'm going to talk about, which is Tails, Sonic's um, partner in crime, you can kind of say. His, uh, I guess, best friend, you can say, in a sense. I'm going to read a description of Tails because I never talked about Tails before and lose some little fun facts about him. So here we go. Miles Prower, better known by his nickname Tails, is the fictional character from the Sonic the Hedgehog series. He is an anthropomorphic fox cub born with two distinct twin tails, hence his nickname. Because of his abnormality, Tails was a victim to bullying during his youth. One day, however, he met Sonic the Hedgehog and was inspired to become as cool as him after seeing him run like the wind, because that's what Sonic does. He runs like the wind. <laughs> Tails soon after become after began following Sonic on his adventures, and has since become his best friend and his and sidekick. He is able to use the twin tails to fly by rotating them like a helicopter rotors and is a mechanic genius and aerial pilot. Tails, a gentle, sweet-natured soul, 
Tails was initially initially timid and lacked courage. After meeting Sonic, however, Tails has become more confident, eventually growing into a more outgoing, brave, and independent individual, and a hero in his own right. Yes, he has. Since, since encountering Sonic, Tails has looked up to him and stood by his side, helping him whenever he can during their adventures. Now, the concept and design of Tails is pretty interesting. The concept of Tails was founded during the development of Sonic the Hedgehog 2. After some discussion about making the sequel to the original Sonic the Hedgehog that came out in 1991, a fraction of the Sonic team went to work with Sega of America's Technical Institute. Institute. A new element they wanted to in introduce was a character that would both serve as a companion to Sonic the Hedgehog and hopefully draw the attention of new players to the franchise. A contest was held at STI in which Yash... Yasushi, Yas, Yasushi Yamaguchi, man, I am so sorry that I'm butchering these names, originally was the main artist and zone designer for, so for Sega's Sonic Team 1. The character was meant to be, to meant to, was meant to hold a deep admiration for Sonic. The name Miles Prower, this is interesting, is a play on the, is a play-by-play -play word on a measurement of speed Miles per hour. You get it? Miles per hour. Miles per hour. Ha. Huh, that's funny. The character was originally intended to be a Tanuki, a raccoon-like canine native to East Asia and extremely popular in Japanese folklore, who has been modeled after a UFO catcher plushie. UFO... Ca oh, oh the, uh, yeah, the machine, the claw machine games. Uh, the designer decided to change him to a fox, however, to avoid possible comparisons to Mario who at the time had a power-up oh, power called the Tanuki suit. That makes sense. The suit allowed him to fly and made him look like a Tanuki, hence the name the, the power-up. Hence the name of the power-up. Lastly, Tails re received his, two, his twin Tails um, to grow more of a personality. Yamaguchi's entry won, but Sonic's team decided to change his character's name to Miles, from Miles to Tails which Yamaguchi was not too pleased without, with at all about. The team and Yamaguchi ended up with a compromise. He settled the name Miles in, in as... Wait, what? The team and Yamaguchi ended up with a compromise. He settled the name Miles in as his legal... Ah, that's a weird sentence. Settled the name Miles as his legal name. Tails would be his nickname ending up with the full name full name of Miles Tails Prower. Oh. Um, a little bit more. During the design process, Tails was originally going to have completely black pupils and only a single tail. Yasushi Yamaguchi also created Tails with the image of him being five years old. Well, that's a little young. Despite his official age, and ended up being eight, which I actually think I knew about. Despite Tails' three bangs, he usually depicted erupting from the middle of his head. His creator intended him intended them to intended them to be coming from the right side. Okay, that's interesting. Um, the character debuted as Sonic's tag along partner in the franchise's second game, and has remained an important character. However, Tails' uniqueness was not established until Sonic the Hedgehog 3, where players were allowed to control his flying. And we were, but it was super freaking hard like you had to jump perfectly and his flying couldn't last very long it was very very difficult um last part tails was redesigned along with the rest of the sonic cast of the characters by yuji uwaka for sonic adventure <laughs> tails redesigned him saw him having his fur color change to an amber like color Gained visible blue irises, becoming slightly slimmer, and received a small boost in height. He shifted to a more streamlined appearance for the rounded ears at the tips, as well as longer tails, which are used for his main form of attack, most notably the tail swipe. Later on, becoming Shadow the Hedgehog and Sonic Unleashed, he was made even taller and receiving a few scratches on the front of his shoes. Battle worn, kind of. <laughs> But yeah, that's little background behind Tails. I might do the other Sonic the characters and talk about their backstory and stuff because I've done so much of Sonic already. But who knows? I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> but yeah, that's I think that's about it that I have for this episode of the Bros and Console podcast. Um, 
if you want to email us, contact us in any way possible, questions, concerns, whatever, you can email us at the bros and console, not the bros, bros and consoles at gmail.com. I'll repeat that. Bros and consoles at gmail.com. Um, you can find Nathan on Twitter at Nathan Choquette or Indie Ronin. Um, I've yet to have a Twitter yet that you can contact me at, but I have an Instagram, the world of Mike period between every word. Um, so if you have any concerns, comments, questions, anything, send it our way at those places. Um, but yeah, next week, Nathan will be back from PAX. It'll be a joint episode again, and he'll be talking about what he found interesting at PAX and all the games he saw. Um, but for the time being, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your, your week and I will see you next weekend. Peace.